fucks in deep. Put it in deep. Getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Getting a lot of pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Wear them down. Get pucks in. Pucks in. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Episode 15. We're back. Pucks in deep podcast live. We got lots of shit to get through today. Some world juniors. It's going to be a fun episode. Put it in deep. Put it in deep. Now everybody, watch this, watch this. Put it in deep. Had to leave that Don Cherry remix in there, Lesko. It's a beaut. Gives you a little window to intro the episode and then let Don take it away for a moment? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I promised that I would tee it up a little bit better, but I didn't get around to it, so. The feedback from the fans was great, though. They're loving it. Yeah, yeah. I know we had some... Tuesday night hockey last night. A couple of the boys were chatting about the newfound intro, and I think that was the idea that it was probably a, a lifer. Yeah, I had a buddy tell me we started talking about the old school Rock'em Sock'ems and how it, it reminded us of the, the tracks that Cherry used to put on those videos, like on the highlight packs. And it was just straight up this unusual techno. Like, I don't know where it came from. Probably know he commissioned it or something. And then it just uh, had little voiceovers of him saying random things like top corner and glove saves and beauty. Beauty was <laughs> yeah. Beauty was the most used one, I think, for sure. <laughs> yeah, those were some good videos, man, and um, brings you back. You know, it really does bring you back. I know, obviously, Don has his following now, and people are – it's like a religion, right? Like, people just stop what they're doing for Hockey Night in Canada – me myself, uh, you know, I love Dawn. I've always loved Dawn. It's getting a, the shtick is almost getting a little old for me at this time because he's just kind of yelling about things that he said once and that he was right, which I guess is his calling, right? He's he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, you got to give him some credit, but I honestly stopped listening to the guy about ten years ago. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. Maybe I got smarter. I think that's what. Honestly, like I got older and I was like, wait, this guy is out to lunch. Is out to lunch, like. <laughs> The incoherence, right? Have you ever seen those videos where somebody does like a, a caption for Coach's Corner? And they. No. So there's, there was a guy who was doing it a little bit last year, especially in the more ridiculous episodes, when he, especially when he gets tripped up and starts kind of saying, you know, just random nonsense and sometimes indistinguishable right. oh, words. Yes, yes. And the guy tries to put words to it on the bottom of the screen, <laughs> and it's just hilarious. Because I think as hockey fans, you're very used to the things that he says and the almost nonsensical things that come out of his mouth. That Good Canadian you, you, kid. Well, you pass it over too, right? Yeah. And then when you actually see it in words, you realize how ridiculous this guy actually sounds. So, Yeah, he's made a career out of it. And I mean, you got to give him credit. I mean, he's he's in books, he's in movies and TV. They and made a living. Absolutely, he has. So, And I mean, uh, not for what he wears, but he's pretty famous for that as well, isn't he? Pretty sharp looking dude. It's holding right. the suits are holding them together, holding his jowls in. The one last weekend was 
I don't even know what that was. I didn't even see it. Oh, it was like a a bunch of different Christmas related sections that were like sewn together, but they weren't sewn together. It's a suit, but it looks like it was. I don't know. I don't know what he was going for. But anyway, here we are, episode fifteen, Pucks and Deep podcast at Puck Pod at Coleman forty two at Let's Go Adam. You can find us on Twitter. Join the conversation. We uh, love the feedback and you know love love what you guys have to say on there. So. Uh, yeah, off the top, we mentioned we got quite a few things to get to. We got some updates in Philadelphia. We've got an interesting situation with a player who doesn't want to get paid anymore. Edmonton is turning it around. Uh, Calgary, obviously the two Alberta teams uh, recently have been firing. Calgary still going. We're going to talk a little bit about Ovi. We're going to dive into the Leafs. We've had some interesting news topics come out with the Leafs as of late. Of course, tonight is the new, the uh, Nutcracker uh, play that will feature Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner tonight in Toronto on Broadway. That's pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting. And I was talking with a few of my buddies that, uh, you know, Mitch is probably just ripe for this role and Matthews is probably not. I don't know. It's. I thought it was interesting that Matthews agreed to do it. I do but, too. But yeah. uh, I can picture Marner up there with just a shit-eating grin. Oh, <laughs> Having yeah, the time sure. of his life. With that jester hat he on. Loves it. And, I know he just yeah. loves, like, he loves the spotlight and It'll all be that, perfect. right? Um, yeah, and then uh, towards the end of our first uh, segment, we're, if we have enough time, we're going to revisit our awards. Uh, I found the old paper here that uh, says what our awards picks are. I am fucking horrible, and you're looking pretty good. So we might revisit those if we have time. And then, of course, as promised, we are going to cover the World Juniors. Uh, it's not necessarily in-depth, but we do have a lot of information on the Canadian roster, uh, some some extra players to, to look at. So if you're getting fired up for the World Junior Championships like myself, um, great time of year. We're going to talk about that in segment number two, so make sure that you stick around. But uh, off the top, let's go. Where do you want to go? We'll get crushing these uh, round-the-boards topics, and then away we go. Well, I want to fire it up with Bobby Ryan. We were making fun of that guy last week for his conky incident. Right. Turns out he's back on the ice. And in uh, a big game against Nashville the other day that they managed to uh, come back and get the W in overtime. And uh, at some point in that game, Kyle Turris lays the the lumber to his hand. Right to the hand. And Bobby Ryan, I got to give him credit, man, went right at Turris. And you could tell at first Turris was like, what the fuck you doing? Like, he didn't want to fight him. Yeah. But then he dropped mitts and, man, Bobby Ryan beat the shit yeah, like out he, of Turris. He had his way. Oh, he kept going, too. Like, he drove him right into the ice and then into the box. He's chirping him as well. And one of the things I noticed... Uh, when when Ryan was chirping him in the box, is that all the fans were fired up and cheering, and he puts his hand to his ear. He's like, "Yeah, you hear that? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, like just kind of rubbing it. it in, like you know, nobody likes you, sort of thing." To over to Turris, yeah, and then yeah. in the post game, and uh, Ryan, another reason why I want to give him credit, he's and and supposedly he's like this all the time. He's a very straight shooter with the media, but he he basically said, "Yeah, I think he targeted my hand. Like he knows goddamn well." you know, my injury problems and yeah, things yeah. like that. Everybody so, does. And I think he's right. You watch you watch the tape, it was pretty un, unnecessary slash from Turris. Yeah, right to the hands. And as we've mentioned, you know, he's got a history, uh, especially on the hand. Like, he's got a history of being injured. Uh, you know, Well, wrist, hand, broken yeah. fingers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the history is there. And I think it's a pretty dick move by Turris. I don't know if maybe they had beef back in the day when they were teammates. That uh, was the other thing that TSN kind of dove into when I was watching it last night was they, at the end of the interview, he, 
you know, they asked him about his relationship and he's like, well, you know, there's no animosity or anything. Not like we were best friends though. So yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, well, if, if the, the incident on the ice tells us anything, I believe it's that there might've been some, some saltiness back and forth. At yeah. Some well, point. I mean, you know, a lot of fans don't tend to identify that as an issue with any team and it has to be, there has to be at least a couple guys within every dress room, dressing room that, butt heads yeah. from time to time. And we, we see teammates fighting at practice and shit. So, and that could just be heat of the moment as well. That's what they'll play it off as in the media, at least. But I mean, at the end of the day, you think of some teams that even you might've been on let go, whether it be hockey, or I know you play soccer as well. Other, other team events where you're just not feeling it with whatever person on the other or on your team. And, you know, they might feel the same way. So not everybody gets along. If you're going to try and jam 23 uh, you know, adult men into the dressing room. And I think a, a couple times, at least some, some shit's going to go sideways here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the adversity that that uh, Ottawa Senators team went through last season. You got to think that that's only going to exasperate any issues or rifts between players on the team. Yeah, uh, You can only imagine how toxic the culture probably was in that dressing room. Um coming out of last season and obviously um, one of the reasons why they made all the changes one of the other changes that the senators are trying to make is working on this new arena deal so we did we didn't even get to talk about the countersuit that uh, was filed uh, for one billion (laughs) dollars with the pinky one billion dollars so the like uh, what's name ruddy his group uh, his development company filed a countersuit to Melnick for a billion dollars wow. over over this process, and then just this news broke this afternoon, uh, actually, where the NCC is pulling the plug on the uh, they're like rescinding the preferred partner status of the consortium between Melnick and this guy uh, that they originally gave them. So, I guess the NCC is going back to the drawing board and looking at other p- proposals for LeBreton's development. No. So, because I imagine the the plan is still to develop LeBreton Flats. Oh, of course. But it sounds like the original proposal that was chose as the preferred partnership, which was, uh, you know, the NCC, the city, and uh, and Melnick and Buddy there. Yeah, Ruddy, whatever Ruddy their Buddy. group is. Yeah. So it sounds like the, the NCC is going back to the drawing board or they're going to wait until Melnick gets his shit together and can come to them with a viable proposal. So I was chatting uh, briefly on this with a couple guys last night at hockey, and we're wondering if it's possible at all that this could be some sort of internal job, an inside job of sorts to try and get Melnick out. I've heard rumblings about that rumblings i hate that word but it makes sense but I, I i've heard that idea and that you know it's 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 um some people have kind of alluded to as to whether or not the other owners and the league is looking at ways to muscle this guy out uh but it sounds like it's he's getting it from all angles um i mean with this deal going uh going south um you have politicians involved now because oh, yeah. of how dependent the uh the rink deal is on the development or how important it is to the franchise. And how important it is to the success of that core, the downtown core just outside the Breton Flats. I mean, you're bringing an exciting uh, product to the business core. So you're going to have business partners being able to 
give tickets to their clients and whatnot. I know that this Phoenix pay system with the government is a is a big crutch that the uh, fans will lean on when when being made fun of about the attendance. And I appreciate that fact. I it's not like I don't think it matters. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, winning puts butts in the seats. And when the team was doing well and winning, there were butts in the seats. And now there's not. And not only is the team not necessarily winning. Now I know that this year they are doing quite well. They're probably over achieving right now. I would say like they're not. I guess they're in a playoff spot. They're an exciting hockey team to watch right now. now. They've injected some good youth into that lineup, and they've given the fans a good product to, to watch and give you know hope for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just... <clears throat> but I, that's a disaster. More off-ice bad news for the Senators. Yeah. Eh? The team needs to move down there, I think, at the end of the day, even though, yeah, they're on the TV as, <laughs> as we talk. Showing Melnick on TV is never a good thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, all right, let's move on. So, yeah, the Sens, uh, obviously there's going to be a lot uh, a lot to talk about with that organization coming up. I know we've got a lot of Sens fans that tune into the pod, so you know at least you can hear our slightly biased uh, perspective on on those developments. But for me, I'm uh, I'm in the corner of of Sens Nation, man. I'm in the corner of Sens Army. Like I want this team to move downtown and be more followed, be more celebrated. Uh, by the locals and I've said it before I'll say it again I think they're just in a tough transition right now man because their diehard fan base is like our age or a little bit older maybe a couple years older at best Um, they don't have any money (laughs) they don't have any money to be supporting the team you know they can buy cheap tickets here and there but they can't support the team like you know a, a team with with a lot of history can so they need a few more years to ripen and hopefully uh at this point in their important transition, they can do things right for once. Well, they seem to be on the right path thus far. It's just the off-ice issues that keep keep popping up. So this one came to me uh, late, man, just before you got over here, actually. I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was uh, a very interesting development for Patrick Berglund. So Patrick Berglund traded to the Buffalo Sabres. He initially did not report to and the Buffalo Sabres. that was in the Sabres. O'Reilly deal, That's correct, correct yeah. yeah. So um, he initially didn't report to the Sabres, and uh, at that time there was no real knowledge as to why. He was suspended by the team. Then he did report, and now he is electing to mutually terminate. Him and the team, the Sabres and Berglund, are agreeing to mutually terminate the contract which by the end of the term will have seen him forego just over $12 million in salary. So he is uh, on unconditional waivers. He has an opportunity to bring his talents elsewhere. But, I mean, now I'm hearing and I'm reading that it was something to do with the agent's inability to provide a no-list or a, a no-trade list to the team. Does he have some kind of uh, trade protection? I guess so, yeah. yeah. That's all I know. Um, but that wasn't privy information when this first went down. It's information now. Because yeah. now that the agreement is to is to terminate the contract, everyone's wondering why. And the reason why is because, well, I never wanted to fucking play there. My agent was supposed to tell the general manager that these whatever six teams yeah. uh, were on a no-go list for me, and Buffalo was one of them. I just don't understand how does that happen. I would like to see the details agent. when this story evolves. It's yeah, it was really fresh. I saw this two hours ago yeah. earlier today that he was uh, having the contract terminated because you rarely see this occur. You see it with 
guys who are brought in on a one-year deal from Europe or something, and it doesn't work out, and the guy wants to go back, so they, you know, the terminate contract's not that big of a deal. It's a nice out for a team, in a sense, in terms of getting out from underneath an unwanted cap hit for somebody who doesn't want to play there. Ship a chef? Yeah, exactly. For that's Vegas. Sort of, and that's a, uh, one, or, one of the higher-profile ones we've seen. But, Recent. you know, Patrick Berlin, Berglund's a guy with NHL experience, and I don't know who the hell he thinks he is, though. Well, he's not the next Matt Sundin, well, which this, is what he was touted to be. This is my <laughs> my issue with that. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Okay, you don't want to go to Buffalo. I get that. Why? They've been dog shit for years. But the team's having success. Yeah. So how are you so bitter that you don't want to play there? And get, you're getting paid good money to do it. Like, he's does he think that he's going to go get a deal now equal or better than what he has probably not because guys who who do things shit like this organizations look at you like you're some somewhat of a cancer yeah you're right it's um i pulled it up here it's 3.85 million for the next three years how do you turn that down including what he's being paid this year it was a total of 12 million five hundred seventy nine thousand. so i'm wondering uh what happens next in terms of what we're going to see when we get more of the story uh, as it evolves, because like you were saying, if if he's going to forgo all this money and it, I wonder if it was a technicality, like you said, something to do with the agent not complying with the team asking about the trade list, like that's getting right into the minutia of contracts and stuff, business stuff that people yeah. smarter than and me I, understand I, and i'm sure those things will become common knowledge at some point in the in the hopefully not too distant future but yeah i mean at this point basically um it looks like he was never going to be a, a mainstay in the lineup i guess because what i'm reading here on yahoo sports was that it allows Berglund the opportunity to seek employment with other teams around the league instead of being buried in the ahl because of his hefty cap hit at 3.85. He'd be right. buried. Yeah. So um, so they does... must have said they were going to put him on waivers. Yeah. And then he's like, well, no. get me out of here. Exactly, yeah. But I I mean, wanna... it's interesting that the team wouldn't try to trade him unless they said, no, don't trade me because he wants absolute control over where he goes. But where does he where, where does he expect that he's going to <laughs> go know. is, is, the, is the question, Go right? back to Sweden or whatever, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. All right. So that's enough with Berglund. But I yeah. thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting story development there because you just don't see that very often. I mean, the NHL is a business. The players want to play. But above all, the players want to get paid. They want to get paid. Yeah, they want to get paid. So. so you know who's not getting paid anymore? Dave Haxtell. Well, he's still getting paid. Or sorry, yeah, okay. Sorry, you know who's not getting not getting paid yeah, to work. Yeah, 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 better point. Who's not getting basically paid on some sweet EI to work? Yeah, that is some sweet EI. Um, you know, I I feel badly for Haxtell. Oh, this was totally butchered. Butchered. Yeah, uh, that's the great word for it. We've talked about this, I think, over the last three fucking pods, and that means that's three weeks of what's been going on. Yeah, because it's been about two Billy. weeks under the new GM. And or at least since Hextall was turfed, yeah. And then now we have this weird story in the weekend where I first saw the news break that he was fired on Saturday, and then they waited, I guess, in response to this journalist who got a hold of it and leaked it. And they're like, "Well, no, this is not when we're doing it. We're actually doing it tomorrow." And they, so there's another 24 hours they let this guy squirm. I saw that because TSN released the news post or yeah. whatever that he was being fired and then they had to retract it yeah and then someone came out and said in the same report that uh they were hiring quenville which there was no basis to oh, that because bad. somebody got a hold of quenville he's like i haven't even talked to the flyers must, so, have, been, must have been aaron Ward. so i don't know if somebody was throwing out a hot take being like well you know 
Uh, I know he's getting fired, and I'm going to attach this Quinvel thing to it. Well, you're already breaking the story. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you're going to go out on a limb, you might as well make a name for yourself at the same time, right? I guess, and, and you know, you're throwing shit to the wall to see if it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe it was the kind of situation where they were giving Hackstall a window to try and turn things around much the same way that, you know, Hitchcock has turned things around. Now he's a new guy. Mm -hmm. So he's a new guy coming in. Maybe Philly was hoping that Hackstall was going to be able to kind of save the season in an extended, whatever it was week, week and a half before they finally made their decision. But at the end of the day, what did they do? They went sub 500. They barely won a game. I know it's never pretty to, to make this kind of turnover decisions in the middle of the season or in the first quarter of the season. But it was still handled very very poorly. I think that's the main story that comes out of this. And I still think it just raises the question of what's next. Sounds like Gritty's running the team from behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Just chaos at all times. Fucking right. (laughs) God damn. All right, well, we we talked about Hitchcock, so let's keep going there. Yeah, Um, so the fixer, man. Wow. The Paul Bearer, the fixer himself, comes in there. Nine, two, and two. That's unreal. That's unreal. Points in 11 of the whatever he's been in 13. Points in the 11 of 13 games that he's been a part of right now. Then the best part about that Fantastic. streak, I mean, they're not just playing better hockey, but it's shown up in the win column, and it's put them right back in it. And it, the timing, I think we we chirped the timing a little bit when this firing occurred because it's like, you know, just this early in the year, why don't you wait and see? But... This this decision is paying off big time because Hitch has this reputation as being a bit of a fixer and Quick settling fix, teams yeah. in, and he's done exactly what they needed to do, which is get Edmonton back in the playoff conversation. It's so funny that like you know sometimes storylines or narratives just exist in sports, and that's just the way it is. And the way it is right now is Hitchcock is known to be able to come in and get things right yeah. very quickly. He's not taking two weeks to figure his shit out. He's coming in. He he came in. He already said he knows what's wrong. Remember yeah. his first interview? They said, Hitch, do you really have any idea as to what could be wrong? He goes, oh, I know exactly what's wrong, he says. Like, well, he's kind of like throwing the other coach under the bus. You know, McClellan's getting thrown under the bus because Hitchcock is saying, I know exactly what's wrong. I can see it from my coach. Every fan is probably saying that. We say yeah, that yeah. when we watch a Leaf game yeah, and they're not going every well. Game. Right? But the thing is, is he's not lying. He knows what's wrong. He knows how he can fix it. And he comes in and he does. And we talked about his ability to be so good in the interim. So that's why he's such a good coach for like a Team Canada. Quick, make a lineup, make a roster, get that lineup to go and get the most out of your guys. That's what he's good at. That's why he's in those roles. That's why he's where he is right now with the Oilers. And I got to commend him for it, man. Like they're, like you said, they're right back in it. They've got 10-5-1 record at, on home ice, so that's good. 8-9-2 on the road, so I'm sure that that's something that he'd like to obviously improve upon. And if he can fix that road record even you know slightly, they're really looking good. They've got the best player in the world on their team, man. They've got Koskinen playing extremely well between the pipes. I know you were a big fan of that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I made fun of that signing big time. And it's it's it even still sounds ridiculous if you just take it at face value, but I mean, it's, it's paid off and yeah. uh, with the poor play of Talbot, I mean, it's, it's perfect for them. I thought it was really interesting too, that, uh, you know, dry has got it going now and 
it seems that the uh, the back end is stabilized a little bit. They're healthy, which is good for them. Uh, they seem to have an opportunity to uh, to make some noise there in the Western Conference. I personally still don't look at the roster and think they're that good or as good as uh, we may have perceived them to be, say, the beginning of last season. But at least they have... And I got to give credit to the players too, that they've turned it around because I'm sure when they saw that McClellan got fired that early into the season, that if they had another bottom out disaster year, then that's when bodies start going out the door. Yeah. But I mean, are you really upset about if you're a body going out the door? Well, there, that's, that's the If thing. the team is not doing any fucking good, then what's the point of even being around? Yeah, that's good. But, you you know, you talk about looking at their roster up and down and not thinking that they're fantastic. I mean, can you name a guy on their third line? Could I name what? Kajula or Kajula? Kajula. That's, a, that's uh, one of their third liners. He, he's, and doesn't R&H, coming, is R&H on the third or they got him on the second? Yeah, he's centering the second okay, line. Okay, yeah, because Lu- they bumped up Dreisaitl. Lucic. So Lu- yeah, Lucic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they were rocking Brodziak. Was that's it Brodziak, right. Cassian, and Lucic? It was a really old school, hard nosed hockey line. I like yeah. that. Yeah, banger of a lineup. And I mean, you know, it, all the way all the way down through the lineup, I mean, R&H, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, obviously been playing well as of late. Darnell Nurse, yeah. really playing well as of late, stepping up in the absence of uh, a big injury to uh, Oscar Clefbaum, who, yeah. who at the time of his injury, he was starting to pick it up as well. He was. He was looking more like uh, what they expected, I think, when they yeah. signed him. Yeah. I, I had think him in, that I had the, him in uh, fantasy, and he was doing well for me, and then he got fucking injured. I think two of the biggest factors for Edmonton is the fact that the goaltending has stabilized and that more guys are picking up the slack other than McDavid. I mean, he's still factoring it in on a ridiculous percentage of the team's goals. 50%. Above 50%. But crazy. Yeah, to have dry saddle firing on all cylinders and R&H going there, I mean, it makes a it makes a world of difference for, for sure. They need to be better. They need to be better. They need to make me want to put that game on. Like early in McDavid's career, I wanted to put that game on because I was excited to see this new phenom. Well, now he's been in the league. He's not new anymore. He's still fantastic. He's the best player in the world. But he's not new. Yeah, still worth watching for sure. He is. But if the team's dog shit. Oh, dog shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, so he plays 28 minutes, so I'm going to be able to see McDavid play half the game. But then, like, they're all dog shit efforts. Not efforts from him, but efforts from the team. Right. And then, what, a couple of highlight real plays from McDavid? And like, then you no. just feel bad for him. Yes, you do. You do. You, f- you sympathize for yeah. the guy because we he's talked all about alone. this on an earlier show about wasting his prime years. So yeah, uh, you know, if you're the Oilers, you want to make hay while the sun shining. No doubt. How about their Alberta rivals, though? The Calgary Flames, <sighs> actually on fire. Well, literally and figurative, there figuratively, you go. right? Um, yeah, second in the Western Conference. What are they right now? Through 35 games played, they're 22, 11, and two, and all 22 of their victories are row victories so regulation or overtime so they don't need the shootout man they don't need the shootout to get it done they've got 46 points as we speak actually that's tied with winnipeg but they do have one extra game played so that's why they're in second goals 422 yeah they're they're one of the higher 95 they are one of the higher scoring teams in the nhl right now and I think a lot of that is driven by that first line, a little bit top-heavy with Lindholm, Goudreau, and Monaghan. Most definitely. Monaghan really seems to be breaking out. Um, I shouldn't say breaking out because he's been scoring goals for a while now, but it looks like he's going to have a career year, um, kind of measuring more up to what was what they may have expected uh, him to be because I, I saw him as a guy with a high ceiling for sure. Right. Bonafide first line center, no doubt now. 
Uh, I know the James Neal signing hasn't quite panned out, but they've been able to to get by. Uh, their defense as seems to ha- be having a much stronger year. Um, you could put the the numbers on the goaltender as well. Mike Smith has leveled out quite a bit after her struggling early in the season. Very much so, yeah. And of course, Riddick has been able to pick up the uh, pick up the loose yeah, change. If they uh, didn't have Riddick, they would not be where they are. Yeah, he's uh, a nice find for them on the back uh, in the backup position because when Mike Smith struggled early on, he got them through the through the rough patch. And I mean, you look at a guy like Elias Lindholm, Lesko, like the guy comes over from Carolina. You're not quite sure what you're going to get with Elias Lindholm, but I mean, he comes over, he immediately slots onto the top line. He's got 17 goals, 20 assists. So, oh, I mean, he's looking great. He's looking great. Like I mean, they gave him a huge opportunity, and he's running with it. Yeah. It's great to run, ride shotgun with Gaudreau and Monaghan, no doubt. Absolutely, and he's getting it done on all as- on all uh, aspects as well. On the power play, 37 points, 93 shots total. So he's taking shots. Sean Monaghan taking a boatload of shots, 110. Even Goudreau, who's not much of a shooter, North of 100 shots for Johnny Goudreau. So, I mean, these guys are getting minutes, and they are utilizing those minutes heavily. And, man, oh, man, they're rocketing right up the standings. And I'm excited to see it because if there's one city that I've always truly loved come playoff time, it's Calgary. And I don't really know why. They're all great, man. Even Arizona. When they're in the playoffs, it's fantastic. They sell the building out. They got the white towels. Everyone's having fun. But there's just something about the games in Calgary. Maybe it's because they're I think the fans later. are wild. And I, I always enjoyed watching them uh, during those years. And we had that conversation, I think, about Aginla at one point or another, where Calgary was a, a perpetual contender. Yes. Whereas the rest of the Canadian teams were kind of in the dumps at, at this point. So they had become... Uh, very popular across the a country. A go-to, yeah. A go-to because they were going deep in the playoffs every year and carried by you know an extremely likable player in Drum McGinley. Yes, of course. And I think maybe a lot of it has to do as well, let's go with the combination of the horn that they have in their building with the fact that when they do score, all the lights are red. Oh yeah, like, they got the flashing red. The lights whole building yeah. goes red, and like the horns going off, and like I, I've never been a Calgary Flames fan. I've been a Jerome McGinley fan. I have a Jerome McGinley jersey, but I never really cared. But I remember being younger, watching these guys play in the playoffs, and like they would score, and I would be like, yeah, <laughs> like it was fucking fun to watch them play. A lot well, of fun. They've got some great fans, and you see that building just is is loud as hell. I know they got that old dusty arena, and they're trying to get a new one, but it just it seems like the atmosphere there is always rocking. They need a new arena. You yeah. haven't you haven't been out there, eh? No, it's one of the oldest barns, though I know uh, currently. I was out there, but it was in the summer for uh, baseball, so I like I didn't get to go in the building or anything. But I was I went just to I walked around the outside of the building, and I mean this was like seven years ago, maybe even longer. And it ten, looked hurt. Ten then. years, yeah, it looked bad then. Ten years yeah. ago, it looked bad then, and I can only imagine it looks even worse now. But yeah, you another, know what? Another note on the flames there, I wanted to point out was uh, Giordano seems to be having. Uh, a bit of a resurgence after a quiet year. He's got uh, 35 points in 32 games right now, and he had 39 uh, and 38, I think, over the last two seasons. So I, I saw someone on mainstream media on one of the Facebook posts uh, mention that Giordano is you know in the running for the Norris Trophy. It wouldn't surprise me. He got laughed out of the fucking forum, and hmm. I had no idea why. Hmm. I mean, it just goes to show you how... 
mainstream media can be a joke because mm. people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They like their team and everyone else sucks. Yeah. Whereas like you like to see fans where you're like, okay, I love my team. Maybe I don't like this team because of whatever. But overall, you know, I know everyone's good. I know the teams are good. I know the players are good. I know the coaches are good, whatever. But like the guy got laughed off the forum and he kept saying, he kept responding and being like, I don't know what you guys are on, but like he's clear, he, he deserves to be in the conversation. And of course he does. He's over a point per game. He's plus 20. Yeah. Like he knows what's going on out there. He's a phenomenal player. He's got two shorthanded goals for Christ's yeah, sake. And like, a guy who can defend too. Yeah. I mean, he's not just an offensive defenseman. Yeah, Very absolutely. Well-rounded and for a while was a, you know, one of the better defensemen in the game. So it's good to see that, uh, that he's having a bit of a resurgence this season. Yeah, like he's not a goon, you know, like he's not he's not getting in the into the penalty box all the time. He's got 31 31 penalty minutes uh, right now through 33 games, so he's he's about a penalty minute per game guy, but like he's uh, he he plays power play, he plays PK, obviously he's playing 5 on 5. I mean, he's just he's, he's one leading of those guys that team. That he's a total package player. Yeah, leading the team. I'd love to have him. Love to have him, but we don't. We got we got Mo Riley who could easily be swaying some Norris votes himself. Not going to complain about that. No doubt, no doubt. All right, man, what's next? Let's keep going here. So last week, I believe, when was it the day we recorded or the day before, Ovi had a hat trick. And yes. we were just raving about, you know, we were talking about the Gretzky record and everything. Yes. So what does he go and do the next day? Probably another hat trick. Scores another hat trick. <laughs> back-to-back hatties, back-to-back games. He's on pace for a ridiculous 70, was it 73 goals or something like that. He's got 29 right now, I believe. So, I mean... He's killing it. There's there's not much more to say other than he's killing it. Well, exactly. remember when we I read I read off his numbers real quick. You know, it was 50, 55, 65, yeah, yeah. right? And then one of them was like 33. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, 33. Yeah, well, it's oh, every time done. you hear he's got... Yeah, he's done. Yeah, whatever he's, he's done. Uh, you know, in the thirty some goal range, people think he's tapering off somehow, and yeah, and he comes back and I, shuts um, everybody up. I was listening on radio too, there because it's getting towards the end of the se- the end of the calendar year, right? Like everyone's doing their twenty eighteen year in review, and basically, I didn't want to I didn't want to mimic what everyone was saying, but it's true. Twenty eighteen was the year of the OV. Yeah, he's the he's the he's got to be like the player of the year, the story of it's the year. It's the story of the year. The way yeah. like he wins the cup, he's fucking celebrating, he's swimming in fountains, like he's just drunk every day on vodka. Like the guy is just he was an amazing story, an absolutely incredible story. I loved it as a fan. I know there's probably some anti OV guys and girls out there listening that are like, oh, I wish he would have never won. Like, ah, stop that. You know, it's fun to watch a it's guy fun, yeah. win like that. And you had you had never seen emotion like that. You know, you'd have to go back and look at the Rod Brendamores and the Dave Andrachucks and the Ray Borks of of the champions who had shown such raw emotion. And I know that all these players show emotion. Yeah, and you see it on the broadcast, but it's the crazy. biggest difference is the era that we live in and how publicly the team celebrated because everybody's got yeah. a phone. So yeah. there was videos and Snapchats and all kinds of stuff everywhere of these guys getting absolutely ripped. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it's it's really great to see. I, I heard an interesting stat. I'll just throw this one at you before we move on. Um, 69 goals in the calendar year of 2018. From January 2nd, 2018 until today including the playoffs. He's got 69 goals. Pretty incredible. Ridiculous. 
pretty incredible. Ridiculous. So we'll move on. We got a little bit of time here. We're doing well. We're right at our mark. So I What's would say the mark? Uh, the mark is 35. Oh, cool. So our mark. So you wanted to do that award stuff? Yeah. I didn't talk about Ferentz either. I forgot all about that. What did you want to talk jumped about? Jumped into Calgary. So Andrew Ferentz, uh, formerly of the Oilers, Bruins. Uh, oh, he won, a, won yeah. a cup with the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he went, uh, played with the Oilers, I believe it was uh, 2013 to 2015 when they were really down in the dumps, yeah. pre-McDavid. Pre-McDavid. Uh, when yeah. they bottomed out for McDavid, I believe. And that would be when Hall and Eberle and some of those guys were still there. Yeah. Uh, but they were just garbage. And he was on 30. One thoughts the podcast and he had talked about the kind of the culture in Boston and how hard they practiced and all the leadership they had and then here he's plopped down into Edmonton I believe he ended up being the captain and he had not very many nice things to say about uh, that group in Edmonton that he played with a couple of things he mentioned uh, one was you know uh, the way they practiced. He said guys were dragging their asses and not caring, giving other guys a hard time, you know, calling them, you know, Johnny tryhards and everything. And really? which, which is a, you know, was a longstanding chirp really. But I guess where he had, he had come from essentially in Boston, this was, you know, unheard of. And he's looking at a team that's underperforming and thinking the attitude is, is the first issue. And one of the other things he mentioned is that, Guys were more interested in the lifestyle, in in partying, being players. You know, going out on the road every night, or you know, getting bombed till two, three, four a.m. Wheeling chicks before a game. Yeah, more into more into the lifestyle than actually playing hockey. Now, I think I've got a problem with the second part. You know, in that you hockey teams, sports teams, doesn't matter who they are, they party their damn asses off. Yeah, and you hear the stories usually. Uh, some stories, older ones, about how it used to be, or when stuff goes a little public, like in the case of the Capitals. But in in I find in the modern era you don't hear about it as much because I know these guys are super careful now. I mean, it's like we rent out this club or we got the VIP. If anyone's coming in here, we're taking your fucking phones. Yeah, put them in a basket. You get them on your way out, sort of thing. I know they're very like low key about it. So I I find it. And there's also guys who, who who can party, you know what I mean, and show up and do their job the next day. Yeah, but not till five a.m. Right, but I know, and I know the issue here. He and the point he's making is, well, we sucked, so. So who cares? Well, I think that's we sucked. So why are you guys, why are you guys not showing up and on time for practice and ready to roll? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one thing what you do off the ice, but if it. If it looks like it's if it's perceived to be impacting your play on the ice, then it then the off ice stuff comes under the microscope. It's you it know, does yeah you're right yeah sure the L A Kings I think it was the year they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, they won their first round I believe it was in like four or five games so they had a big break. So apparently they just went went wild went on like a you know a couple day bender essentially party you know a lot of teams will party after every round they win. You might not hear about it but it definitely happens. Oh of course yeah yeah so. But Natural. there's a difference between partying when you're winning or you're in first place or you're going deep in the playoffs and being perpetually bad like the Oilers were Yeah, and partying. Here's a good quote here. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. He says, like, come on, give me a break. It was to the point where it was so ridiculous where the lifestyle was way more important than actually playing the games and making the playoffs. Like I said, talk is cheap. So, I mean, you're kind of right. Like, you sewered the guys a little bit. Yeah, he did throw his. He threw a bunch of guys under the Former bus for teammates. sure. But that's also up to the organization. I now I know the coaches and managers might not know everything that's going on off the ice, 
But that's also something for the team to weed out. And it seems that in some of the changes they may have made over recent years in the coaching and the management and in the personnel is to have that culture shift that we've we've talked about lots of times that teams often try and do. I mean, the, uh, the previous iteration of the Leafs, you know, the Kessel era Leafs uh, were well known for partying it up downtown Toronto. Win, yeah. loss, didn't matter. And... Uh, you know, guys. I like, probably would too. A lot of that has stuck with you know Lupul and players like that who were perceived as being more interested in the lifestyle than actually playing and winning hockey games. Well, it's probably because people thought he was Jimmy Fallon wherever he went. <laughs> Fucking guy looks just like him. Yeah, except he's cut. <laughs> so All I right. thought that was interesting. It's it, it is. You know, I shouldn't. I don't want to give fans too hard of a time because I like it when guys are candid and yeah, you know he's he's fresh out of the NHLs uh, at this point. So it's 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 always interesting to get the uh, get some recent history, yeah. especially for uh, right from the players. And you gotta walk you gotta walk that line though, you know. Like it, he didn't go too in depth, but he went in depth enough to say that there was a problem when I was there, and this was the problem. Yeah, like he didn't least throw he actual fucking players under the bus here. Like he he just said this is kind of the the culture that was that was around when I was there, and it wasn't great. And how do you break that? Well, you move guys out of town. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring in Hitchcock, and now hopefully that thing is no longer. Yeah, and he's an older guy, too, playing with a bunch a younger core. Uh, one of the issues that he had mentioned as well, um, being the captain, he's like, I'm a leadership guy, and yet I don't know how much respect I'm getting. I'm a four, four five, six defenseman. So yeah. I'm, I'm not. it's a hard time, you know, I guess, telling some of these guys what to do or, or where it's at. Uh, when you might not necessarily have the respect of your players based on your resume or anything, when especially when, say, the focus of some of the players isn't actually on the ice or in the dressing room. Yeah, and you're not going to win with, with that mentality for sure. No. So, okay. All right, well, speaking of winning, uh, why don't we take a quick peek at our uh, preseason. This was preseason, right? We did this preseason. Yeah, we did. Yeah, all right. So let's take, it our pre- take a look at our preseason uh, award picks. So, um, for the heart, I had Nikita Kucherov, and you had Connor McDavid. Would you like to? Change? I took the safe bet, and I would stick with that. And I think I'm winning that You'll one. You'll stick with that. I'd, I'd stick with my Kucherov there. Yeah, that's safe. I mean, that's you know, it, there's still lots of time left. So yeah. we'll 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 cross our bridge here. Maybe there's no changing. Uh, it's just a progress. No, report. no. I mean, like you know, maybe wouldn't I? I would like oh, to change would you if change? I could. Yeah. yeah, would you change? But you can't. It's uh, in okay, stone. rocket. Matthews, I had, and you had Ovi. Oh, I'm I'm winning that. So too. you're looking real I'm good. Looking real good. I would like to change if I knew that he would yeah, be injured. Play. Uh, the Vesna, I had Connor Hellebuck, and you had Andre Vasilevsky. Those so picks are holding up. Those picks are both holding up quite well. I didn't mean Vas showed a fucking Vesna. Uh, trophy. Oh, in that game against, against the, Leafs, the Leafs, that's one of the best goaltending performances I've ever seen. I've seen in years, ever for sure. Playoffs, it was incredible. I don't care. That's what it reminded me of. One of those crazy playoff games where a goalie just steals don't score. the game. Yeah, because yeah. Tampa Bay, being you know a, a team that you could argue is better than the Leafs on paper and on the ice. Yeah, but yet in for that sure. game, it looked like the Leafs versus. You know, oh, the God. Flyers yeah. essentially, but yeah. somehow the, the goalie found a way to get it we done. We were all over the man. Like, I oh, had yeah. arguments with people for fucking two days over that game. I said, You're not going to upset me. I will take seven games of that all fucking day 
because there's no way that Vast steals games like that over and over and over. Well, and they I'm show, sorry. They show that they can compete with the Lightning was the most important thing. Yeah, you're right. All right, moving on. Calder Trophy. Um, I had Shvechnikov for Carolina, and you had Elias Pettersson. So you took the chalky pick there. How much money did we put on this? Because <laughs> fuck all. I wish I put. You're, you're on fire though. Yeah. Uh, we both went off uh, the rails with the Norris. I think everyone in the hockey universe who made picks went off the rails with the Norris. I took EK65, barely plays in the league anymore, and you took. <laughs> and you took That's harsh. You took Victor Hedman. So Hedman obviously seeing some uh, some time on the IR. EK65 definitely making a, a bit of a comeback. Uh, he's been playing a lot better as of as of late for sure. But I don't think either of those guys are in line to win a Norris Trophy. Um, Selkie was our last one. Um, I had Nazem Kadri, and you had Austin Matthews. So we had two Leafs. I was feeling confident in my Kadri selection because I felt that throughout the years, Kadri had shown his ability to become a role player. Like, he came into the league and he wanted to dangle and score and maybe punch a guy in the face. Well, you can't do all those things, Naz. You're not good enough to score all the time, and you're also not tough enough to punch guys in the face. You have to find a happy medium. And in the last, what, two seasons, maybe three, we saw him completely switch his role to a shutdown checking role, and he was doing it phenomenally well, drawing penalties on guys. He wasn't taking as many, like, diving penalties as he used to, like, three or four years ago. I thought I'd seen a really nice turnaround from Nazem Kadri, but, um, you know, I guess I'm off there. Matthews, just such a strong 200-foot guy. I think that's a pretty good good pick from, from you as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess in some of the games I've watched recently, uh, I, I think I talked about in last week's episode just about some of his struggles five-on-five five and uh, some of their def- defensive zone play. I know he's still kind of getting his groove back after the injury, so give him the benefit of the doubt, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, the, the the issue with that trophy is wrestling it out of Bergeron's hands. Yeah, it's true. Right? Well, so. um, he's seeing some extended time on the IR as well. Um, one final thing that we did do was we gave a cup final. I had San Jose versus Toronto. Uh, clearly, I was super high on the Sharks, or I was just super, just super high, high. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Um, I had San Jose versus Toronto, and I had San Jose winning the cup with Brent Burns being the Con Smythe winner, and you had. Jets versus Caps, and you had back-to-back cup wins for Ovi and back-to-back Conn Smythe trophies. So you're looking not bad there too, man. Don't sleep on the Caps. Your uh, your half of the page is looking pretty good. I might have to. This might find its way into the shredder. <laughs> I'm not sure. Taking a picture of that. Though. Yeah, yeah. You might as well. All right. Listen. Um. Why don't uh Why don't we do uh We still got a little bit of time here. Why don't we do this Marner thing? You want to what do this? We at, what are we at right 45. now? 45. 45? Yeah, we got 45. Yeah, we can get it in the second half there. Hey, you want to do it in the we'll second s- half? We'll split time with, uh, with World Juniors World Juniors and Leafs. All right, well, we'll do we'll do World Juniors uh, off the top when we uh, when we come back in, right, I guess? Does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me. We'll start off with Juniors, and then when we uh, come back, we'll do Leafs afterwards, so... I know you're not going away because our breaks are only about eight seconds long, but in reality, they're more like 18 minutes long. So we'll be back.
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Tavares backhand towards the goal. Loose puck. Everybody scores! Tie game! Can't you believe it? It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It's world junior season right now. Let's go and... Like the song says, man, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love it. I mean, I love playoffs, okay? I love opening night and all that stuff, but man, oh man, World Juniors, it's just a, it's just a something special, man. There's something special about it. I love it. I love the music that they play. Like, I just, it gets me all jacked up. That goal, I don't think I can hear that goal without getting fucking goosebumps. Oh, it's one of my favorite memories that that comeback win that they had, and uh, that was Tavares and and Eberle and Eberle, the the it was two years in a row he had huge goals. I remember once in against the, world the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and in two like amazing games and some of my fondest memories growing up watching that tournament every single year. And TSN's done a fantastic job of the way they market it, uh, how much effort they put in the coverage i mean they're they're covering it throughout the camps and really pumping it up and well, you know, why wouldn't you you got the exclusive yep. rights and uh you know you heard gord miller on that uh on that call and uh, a lot of the memories in my mind are some phenomenal calls yes from gord miller yes uh when <clears throat> excuse me um when the americans remember when the americans uh jabbed one of our guys as he was skating by they oh, stuck yeah, a yeah. stick out and, and hit him i think it was cody Cody Hodgson or Hodgkin or something like Hodgson. that. Hodgson, yeah. yeah. He poked him in the face with the stick, and then Tavares scored like a minute after, and he he went back to back Tavares, and and it was because you're talking about Gord Miller's calls. The call was Tavares again, and Canada's back in it because yeah. it, like we were not looking good there, and then they fucking poked the bear. Did you get a, uh, to get to go any of the games when they were in Ottawa? I didn't. No, I, I, I didn't either. I don't know why I didn't. What yeah. a fucking mistake that was. I know, and they were phenomenal and won it that year, but it's a great stage for the players. You get to see the future of the game. Uh, some guys really make their names in that tournament as well. You know, maybe some players you didn't hear of. Yeah. Uh, you always have some undrafted guys coming up, so it's always exciting to see uh, what they can bring to the table. Uh, and how it might affect their draft position. You see guys, you often see guys get traded from their junior teams, sometimes mid-tournament because their stock is uh, peak value. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's funny that uh, we're, we're doing our World Juniors. They're covering the, uh, what, are, what are they, the exhibition match? Yeah, so there's an exhibition right game now. between Canada and Switzerland. Um, actually, one of my favorite sound bites from last World Juniors was the interview with the uh, Swiss coach. Uh, I think believe it, it was pregame to Canada, and you just went on about all oh, they shoot better, skate better, uh, way better team. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to be good. Like yeah. he was just so didn't he so say brutally something like, honest? We're just going to try and hang on. Yeah, something, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and he we just he basically just you know sold his team down the river. And what an inspiring guy! I could imagine his pregame speech just must have been riveting. But the Swiss are pretty famous for throwing up like crazy vic. Well, maybe not a victory, but like crazy efforts uh, against some of the top-notch teams like Canada, U.S., Russia. Like often, the Swiss are just on the backs of an amazing goaltender. I've, I remember seeing that, and I think it was one year in the Olympics too, where uh, the Swiss nearly upset Canada. 
Um, and, and, you know, the goalie had like 50 or 60 saves, something crazy yeah. like that. That's the other thing about international play and these, uh, especially this tournament is as much as you usually expect the same teams to be competitive, Canada, Russia, United States. Yeah. It's very unpredictable. And, you know, I get, I get mad and I feel like as uh, Canadian hockey fans were spoiled because Canada's success in that tournament has, has been kind of a long-standing tradition yeah. where it's it's gold or bust every year. Every year. Anything short and you're disappointed. We're pissed. You're never like, oh, well, they were a good team and they tried hard. It's no. like, no, I want to see victories <laughs> and, you know, watching the New Year's Eve game, like you're always with a bunch of buddies, you know, having a few. It's, it's just so much fun to watch and you have so many exciting, memorable moments. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good, man. I wanted to ask you before we go on, we, we do got, we have the schedule. Um, uh, we've got, you know, results from last year. We've got returning players, injured players. We've got a bunch of stuff that we're going to get to, but I wanted to ask you that highlight off the get go. And the only reason why I'm asking you is mostly because I want to tell you what happened and where I was. I want to know where you were and what happened for you when Eberle tied that game with mere seconds to go on What the year was that? Ooh, 09? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I don't know. I just had it on my phone. I I, I don't know. That was, that's a tough one because I, I remember seeing it and remember watching it and me- remember how thrilling it was. I want to say it was in North Bay because that's when I was in school. And, I, I you know, I can recall it just being electric and so exciting and the call and everything, but I can't remember exactly what I w- where I was and what I was doing. So based on that logic, odds are I was a few years, beers deep with some buddies, and it was 10 years ago, so I can't remember. <laughs> it, it was 09, and the only reason why I remember so vividly was because of the iconic celly that went on in my living room at the time. So I was living in Ottawa going to school. We had probably eight. It wasn't quite you know 10 or a dozen, but it was a good six to eight people uh five of them were dudes five or six of them were dudes and a couple of you know girlfriends or whatever and we were just drinking it up and watching the game together all wearing our wearing our team canada jerseys and you know when we were down all of us were standing in the living room looking at the tv like pretty pissed because it was about we were about to lose and we go from being pissed off for about to lose (laughs) to insane like euphoric celebration with like every single person that was in my living room whether it be six or eight people whatever it was was fucking piled up on the couch yeah and i was on the bottom of the pile because i was the one that got tackled immediately when they (laughs) scored because my buddy and i'm sure he'll be listening to this my buddy the only thing he said for like the next 60 seconds of our lives at the top of his lungs was it was all Tavares. It was all Tavares. It was all Tavares. He yeah. was just losing his mind, and it was just the greatest celebration ever, and I loved it, and I, I hope I get to be a part of something like that again, and maybe next time it'll be for Toronto, bud. When it was on uh, it was on home ice, too, for Canada, so the crowd yeah. was just absolutely wild, and Tavares really put the team on his back that year, and he scored the goal prior to that as well to get them back in the game, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I was watching it, thinking that they, even though there was like, you know, I think they entered the zone and there might have been 30 seconds left, I still had not 
counted them out in my mind. I like I wasn't yeah. pissed yet because yeah. I, I thought, you know, if anybody can pull off some magical shit, it's, us. it's this Tavares guy. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they, they found it's, a way. It's true, though. It, it was back at the blue line with about 20 seconds to go. It was held in nicely by Ryan Well, there Ellis. was a bit of a board battle. And there was a on. huge board battle, yeah. And it was funny. And when you look at that highlight, and anyone that's listening now might be pulling up the highlight to have a look at it, it does not look good for us. Even though there's time left, and like you said, you know, I wasn't counting them out. They didn't have full control of the no. puck or anything. And then Tavares gets it, and he just, like, takes the the weakest fucking, okay, here, I'm just going to get it on net. I'm just yeah. going to get it towards the net. Which is the play. five seconds at that and point. And the Russian defender went down to play goalie. Yeah. Which was his biggest fault because he's he's not a goalie, so he doesn't have the ability to not give up a rebound. He gave up a rebound. It went right to Jordan Everly, and the goaltender was completely fucked. Yeah. He had no chance. Everly ties the game. Can you believe it? Pierre Maguire doesn't wait the appropriate amount of time to jump in on the highlight. <laughs> yeah. Just, yes, I can. <laughs> he just jumps Cuts in right away. Gord, and he's like, yeah. I can because the Russians ice the puck. And But he's right, though. Yeah. He's right, though, because if we remember, and you don't remember until you hear Pierre talk about it, Russia took a shot at the empty net and missed. And after the whistle, there they all were. Big fucking smiles. Yeah. Laughing. I think they got it in the bag. Think they got it in the fucking <laughs> bag. Well, you haven't gotten to the zero on the clock just yet, boys. <laughs> so really awesome. I really hope that we get to see something like that. Maybe I don't hope that it comes down to, to four seconds left on the clock, but yeah. I do hope for some exciting some magic. games. Yeah. Some it's magic. funny. Some years I'm into it more than others, and it really depends on the team and the personnel. Uh, I found when I was younger, it was easier to get into it, maybe just because the guys are closer to you in age and That's you true. know more about the younger guys coming up. Um, That's a good point. I don't follow uh, junior hockey or prospects as much as I, I did in the past, but it's good because if you're not, it's a good way to get acquainted with what's coming down the pipeline, maybe for your team or uh, just, you know, who's the next young, exciting thing. So yeah, we've got a couple go of through guys here were notable to watch and uh, what to expect from team Canada here. Yeah. We've got a couple of guys on other teams as well that we're excited to have a look at some returning players from former tournaments and, and some new guys. So, um, but before we get into that, why don't we go through the actual tournament itself here? So of course, last year, let's go 2018 uh, result in Buffalo was a gold medal win. We beat Sweden in the gold medal game. We beat them three one, but it was one one with one forty left. It was a good game when we t- yeah. when we when we uh, scored the ultimate game winning goal with a dollar forty to go. So that was a really exciting uh, gold medal win for Canada. So we're we're trying to uh, defend the gold medal. It gets underway on Boxing Day. Uh, Canada. Here's the schedule for Canada: December twenty sixth, Denmark. December twenty seventh, Switzerland. The twenty ninth, which is a Saturday. Czech Republic. I have that one circled, and we'll talk about why later. Uh, the 31st, the New Year's Eve game, is not against the United States this year. It will be against Russia, uh, which will probably be just as fun. January 2nd is the quarterfinal. If Canada makes it, they are the early of the two quarterfinal games. And then on the 4th is the semifinals, and if Canada qualifies, they are the late game. So keep that in mind, folks. Quarterfinal, Canada is going to be early in the afternoon. Uh Semi-final Canada will be in the evening. And then, of course, Saturday, January 5th, the gold medal game, which we all are hoping will feature Canada. I don't really get why they took away that New Year's Eve 
It was it was every classic. year. It was, it was a, a classic, classic. It was every the, year. Canada yeah. US, Canada can't US, it. right? Can't miss games and I know maybe they want to try and tee it up so that they meet each other later on in the tournament instead. But they always did they, anyway. They usually did, exactly. Yes, yeah. Yes. I, mean, I don't understand the logic behind it just maybe just cuz I'm attached to the memories of constantly watching it every New Year's Eve and teeing up your night with a with a good game and the the weird thing is is that most teams are are, are like I I don't have the U.S. schedule here. I kind of wish I did, but I'm willing to bet that they also play on New Year's because, yeah. you know, the teams generally play, okay, this team is – because it's in it's in Victoria, B.C. and in Vancouver. So we have – and that's the way it is, right? There's always two locations normally, I believe. There's always there's yeah, the, two locations. Yeah, they seem to be doing that, that format more often now. So all the teams are playing. I mean, I guess maybe at some point Canada is a big draw. I think even for the other – uh, nations, I think Canada is a big draw. So the other nations would be saying, "Hey, why can't we play Canada yeah. on New Year's Eve?" And I know that the tournament's much bigger here than it is anywhere else. I would believe. I know it's it's pretty big in some of the European countries, uh, but say the states and and even Russia, I don't think it's it's major here. Yeah, yeah. It, c- compared to uh, the United States, for sure. I mean, so. they're filling they're filling NHL ranks, NHL ranks easily here. You know, yeah. so but I. I'm not against like I hear a lot of people let's go talk about how they would like to see the World Junior Tournament return to the smaller markets, the Saskatoons uh, of of the world and the Reginas of the world, like out west in those smaller arenas that only seat maybe eighty five hundred or ten thousand people. And I think that's an interesting point too because they've always given us a great product, regardless of whether it's in 18,000. It doesn't matter where it is, it but it goes, I think it boils down to a money thing, right? Yeah, it well, is. That's why yeah. it's in Canada predominantly, right? Because yeah. they know they can pack NHL rinks. Well, on that huge outdoor game last year yeah, on New Year's Eve against uh, the USA yeah. out, outdoors, right? At uh, Bill, the Bills, what is it? Ralph Stadium, I think, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Ralph Wilson Stadium. Uh, pretty interesting. So um, let's keep going. So we've got only one returning player. On Team Canada, it's Maxime Comtois. He's a Ducks pick. Uh, he was drafted in 2017. Now, he, he's on loan, right? He is. Yeah. So I was going to say, he is on loan. He's, he's again, full-time NHL. He's the only returning player, and he's on loan. He's going to be a very, very big leader for, for this squad. Uh, obviously, lots of NHL experience, and I think he's going to be um, leaned heavily upon for special teams. A lot of power play time, maybe even some penalty kill time for Maxime Comtois, because that's what he's seeing with the Anaheim Ducks. So why would you not take that? Uh, leadership and that experience and throw it right into your lineup for Team Canada amongst the much younger players, as as young as 17 years old in Alex Lafreniere. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this kid play uh, when he's playing right now in that exhibition game. But he, So he just found out he made the team the other day, I guess. Are you talking about Lafreniere now? Yeah, so okay, Lafreniere yes. was... Uh, he was told, I guess, by the coaching staff going into the tournament or uh, into camp that basically you're not going to make the team... Uh, if so and so and so and so are healthy, I are think healthy. It was, yeah, I think it was Velarde recently dropped out, and he was expected to play a huge role in this team. And Formington, I found that interesting that they had kind of ruled him out already. Like I know they don't; it's very seldom that you see a caged guy out there, yeah. which means you know a guy who's under eighteen years old. Um, I always like it because it's it's interesting to see what they can do because it's the biggest stage for a junior hockey player, and to be that young performing at that level, especially on home ice, is a lot of pressure. Yeah, no uh, doubt. You know, it's a huge benefit to you. And if you're an undrafted player, you couldn't ask for a better stage. Yeah, we have uh, two, well, three injuries to note, two 
really important ones. Uh, two top players, Gabe Velarde, uh, an L.A. draft pick, and Alex Formanton, of course, uh, now of the Ottawa Senators. He was originally a St. Saint, uh, Saint Louis, San Jose draft pick, but of course was involved in the deal uh, for E.K., or is that the guy that was in, involved for EK? I didn't think he was. I no. thought they drafted him. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm wrong there. Sorry about that. So yeah, so but he was Formanton was injured at selection camp, which I find is really tough. That sucks. Man. That really fucking sucks. Yeah, because like, a lot of these guys too, if you geez. end up on the straight shot to the NHL, you might only have one chance of playing for this team. That's right. Uh, yeah. You look at it, a lot of the time, it, it's it's the older guys too who make the, these teams. So if you miss out on your opportunity, then that could be it. Yeah, so um, the goalies. Let's do some goalies, man, because uh, obviously Leaf fans have something exciting, uh, something to be excited about for goaltending. Ian Scott absolutely tearing it up this year um, in junior, playing for Prince Albert. This year his stats, 26 games played. He's 23-2-1 with a 1-6-1 and a 9-4-3. That ridiculous. That's off the charts. Yeah, and especially for a guy who's, a, I believe, third-round pick. Like, he wasn't a high draft pick by the Leafs. So to see, sorry, fourth rounder, uh, to see him put on a show like that and yeah. put himself on the map. So he kind of rockets up the the prospect chart, I feel, uh, just given what he's done. Now, it'll be interesting to see how much he gets to play because he's behind Di Pietro. He's definitely behind Di Pietro, uh, yeah. the more experienced of the two uh, Mem Cup uh, victory there, I guess, with... Um, Windsor Spitfires, I want to say. I, geez, see, see how much I pay attention to junior hockey. <laughs> <laughs> what has he got? I had him on here. Yeah, uh, so, but he, I know yeah, he's, Ottawa. he's a pretty exciting uh, prospect, and I think that uh, I'm sure he'll, they'll get him in there for a game or two. And the issue with these tournaments and the goalies is they are on a short leash. You have a bad game or you have a, even a bad game and a half, you could be nailed to the bench the rest of the tournament. It's true, and we have seen that in the past. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he's playing for the 67s, uh, Di Pietro is, but I believe he was traded. He was traded. Yeah, he was yeah. traded he this was just, year. He was just traded for a boatload of uh, yeah. crap. Like, traded for uh, – it was one of those crazy uh, junior trades where there's like seven or eight picks going up to like twenty Into the future, yeah, like yeah. They're trading for 10-year-olds, basically. <laughs> yeah, they're playing – yeah, that's right. They're. It's true, it's true. They don't even know – they don't even know who that player is going to be, obviously. But, uh, yeah, so um, where was I headed next? Uh, I wanted to go through the um, the lineup a little bit here. So, oh, I'll give you Di Pietro's stats because I gave you Scott's. So Di Pietro's stats, he's got 22 games under his belt right now, 12, 8, and 1, 2.26, and a .922. So um, as far as his statistics are concerned, of course, Di Pietro's playing in the OHL, Ian Scott playing in the WHL. Take that for what it's worth. We don't know too much about those two leagues, but uh, maybe it's harder to score. In, well, the OHL, in, in, I know that uh, Ottawa's tearing it up, and they're. I think they're acquired him to gear up for a for a memorial. Yeah, cup they're run. going for Mem Cup. Yeah, but like, man, those numbers for Ian Scott, like, I don't know how you ignore those. Like, no, you can't if, at all. If Di Pietro struggles at all. I would have to imagine that you're going to see Ian Scott pretty quickly because I don't know if it's a situation where they're like, oh, I hope we don't have to go to our backup. No, I don't think it's ever like that in this tournament. I think they have pretty good confidence in both their tenders. Like you think about it, they're the best best goaltenders for in Canada at their age. I mean, uh, like I said, advantage DiPietro just based on his experience level, but I don't think they're ever afraid to throw the other guy in uh, if they're not uh, – 
satisfied with the performance of uh, you know the perceived starter, whoever they have first on the depth chart. So we did have uh, Bob McKenzie tweet out yesterday that the Canadian roster is actually set, uh, which is maybe a little bit strange to me because I don't think they have to have these lineups in for another couple days. But, I mean, if Bob McKenzie's tweeting that the lineup is is done, then then I'm trusting Bob McKenzie. So um, we'll roll off a few of the players, uh, starting with the number one D-man, Evan Bouchard for Team Canada. Now, playing. he saw a time with the Oilers earlier this season. I believe so. Yeah. He's a, They're excited about yes, him. Yes, you're right. You're right, he is. Um, they refer to him as the Bush bomb because he's got a huge clapper from the blue line. So I think that's interesting. That's old school. Oilers first round pick 10th overall this year through 13 games played this season. He's got five goals, 13 assists, 18 points. So playing with London moving on. We got Josh Brook on defense, uh, playing out in moose jaw, smooth skating Canadians prospect, Noah Dobson playing for Rayun Noranda in the queue. Uh, he's a Memorial cup champ. Uh, a towering defenseman, six foot three. So that's a nice size that we'll see back there. Jared McIsaac playing in Halifax for, or in the queue for Halifax, one of two Nova Scotian natives on the team. Another smooth skating D-man, um, both offensively and defensively skilled is what they're touting him as. Ian Mitchell, uh, also on the back end, University of Denver, playing out of the W, uh, the NC2A. Lone college defenseman on the roster. So I like that too. He's uh, kind of representing the NC2A uh, on the team. Blackhawks uh, second round pick in 2017. Marcus Phillips in the OHL playing for Owen Sound. Very mobile defenseman. So you see where Canada's going with this. Um, very mobile defenseman. We'll wrap it up with Ty Smith in the dub playing with Spokane. Again, uh, another uh, very mobile defenseman back there. He's the highest scoring defenseman on the roster right now, 2018 first-round pick of the New Jersey Devils, 39 points through 28 games for the Spokane Chief in Ty Smith. So you can see as we go through that list of players, let's go, that Canada really leaning on their mobile D to be able to not only move the puck efficiently out of their zone, but maybe put the fucking thing in the net at the other end of the ice too. And I like to see that Canada usually has pretty strong a pretty strong decor and I think we're going to come back with another one of those this year. They typically do. And, I mean, we talked about this earlier in that the expectations are always through the roof for Canada in this tournament. So I expect them to have a solid decor. I expect them to be, you know, physical in that they, uh, you know, utilize their assets, their skills, their size over, uh, you know, smaller often you know less contact oriented european teams so it'll be interesting interesting to see uh you know how that plays out for them any of the forwards that you're thinking of uh touching on i know we already talked about lafreniere he's a bit of a wild card for me we never well, I know think what he's the see. most interesting player to watch anyway and he might not be uh i think they had him slotted on the third line when i first saw the lines that uh somebody had tweeted out uh, so I'm not sure how much of an opportunity he's going to get game in, game out. But uh, he, he's going to be the player that I'm most interested in seeing. I don't know why he doesn't get an opportunity. I mean, what? it's just because of his age. I mean, he's not draft eligible until 2020. Um, playing in Ramuski in the queue, 54 points in 31 games. Six foot one, 192 pounds, born in Quebec, 
I don't know how you don't give this guy the looks that he deserves. He's got 54 fucking points. Yeah, well, we'll find out soon enough if he can do it at this level. And it's, like I said, it's a perfect stage for guys like him to break out. And uh, he's expected to be a top-end draft pick in uh, a couple of years. So a couple other guys I wanted to at least bring up. Uh, Nick Suzuki. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this guy play. Drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, subsequently traded to the Montreal Canadiens as a part of the Max Pacioretty deal. 43 points in 28 games, 5'11", 183. The guy's built a little bit more like myself, so maybe that's why um, I'm a little more interested. But he's finished in the top five in the OHL in points the last two seasons. Um, So I'm looking at Nick Suzuki to be uh, carrying the mail a little bit for Team Canada. And one more for me, Cody Glass, uh, Portland, playing uh, Portland Winterhawks in the WHL. Um, the Vancouver Canucks passed on him to take Elias Pettersson, which I think was probably probably the right call. The right call. Um, he was eventually drafted by Vegas uh, in 2017, uh, sixth overall. Uh, he's 19 years old, six foot two, 185 pounds. He's uh, put up 54 points through 26 games for the Portland Winterhawks. So the guy is basically two points a game right now. I mean, you look up and down this lineup, let's go, and you've got so many guys with like some formidable statistics. So. I mean, I think Canada is likely going to be, as we see in most years, probably going to be one of the deeper teams. And I'm realizing now that I'm leaving Brett Leeson, who plays for Prince Albert in the dub, off this list. He's got 64 points in 31 games. So how about that? Jesus. Not draft eligible until this season. So this is a really interesting one in Brett Leeson. Um, he's been overlooked in the NHL draft twice. So excuse me, it's not that he's not okay. Draft, so yeah. he's okay. It's not that he's not draft eligible. It's just that he he's been he has been passed over. Bit so of a he's a late bloomer. Yeah. So he's not necessarily a free agent as of yet. He's still a, a draft eligible uh, six foot four center. Probably shouldn't be ignored this year in the draft coming six, up. Six four two. Wow. Yeah, with an eye popping as it says, sixty four points in thirty one games, and will likely be taken by an NHL team. In June, so another bit of a bit of a showcase, like you said earlier, man, an opportunity for some of these players to really showcase what they've got and uh, make a name for themselves. So this Brett Leeson character, uh, hometown in Calgary, Alberta, as I mentioned, six foot four, two hundred pounds. I mean, the guy is uh, obviously got playing maybe with a little bit of. Uh, be under his bonnet or piss and vinegar because he's been passed over. Now he's tearing it up, and maybe he wants to add a gold medal to his uh, to his resume. Sounds like a type of guy with something to prove. So hopefully uh, expect uh, to see big things. Okay. So um, I know you had a, I know you had a fin. You want to talk about your fin? Oh yeah. So I heard this guy's name the other day and I'm glad I heard on the radio. So I know that I'm at least somewhat pronouncing it right. Uh, Nice. Capo Kako from uh, Finland. He's projected to go second overall behind uh, the American boy, Jack Hughes uh, in the upcoming draft. Uh, And he said, you know, this is the main player to watch. Apparently, he's been playing in the Finnish Elite League since he was 16 years old. Wow. At the top tier. Okay. So this guy uh, seems like another one of those hot up-and-coming Finnish prospects. So I think he's a player to watch for them. Yeah, here it is here. Who's got a hold of the number two spot? I guess it's still up for grabs. One player to expect to challenge for this slot is Capo Kako, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Capo Kako? I think that's right. Okay. Okay, so it says a U.S. national development program forward out of an unconventional hockey market and a big Finnish point producer. Interesting, okay. 17, 
born in 2001, six foot two, 194. I mean, he is a big boy. He's already built for the show. Yeah. That's what was the interesting, impressive thing, I guess, about Line A and like uh, coming up was that he was already man sized when he was a kid, right? It's, it's Austin Matthews, a good example yes, of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, there's never any questions over there who's got to gain some weight or fill out when you see the specs like that. And, you know, they're, uh, they've got the build for it, right? Well, I mean, you look at Finland, Lesko, and you've got like, you've got a country that is smaller in population than the city of Toronto. And they, we've talked about this before. I mean, they are just a hockey factory. Oh, like, yeah, a factory pumping out amazing hockey talent. And it's really exciting. I mean, I always hope that Canada is going to win the world juniors, but we had this talk off air. I, people have, jumped down my fucking throat before because you know in like a preliminary game or something i've been like i won't mind if russia scores canada's up five nothing hey, it makes the game more exciting right you know then they score yeah fuck, that's your fault colvin you know well <laughs> i don't care sure it's my fault but at least it's a little more exciting as long as they win the game right yeah as long as they win the game i don't really care i'm not necessarily going to say that if it's the leafs but i think i would call myself a leaf fan before a team canada fan to be honest with you if I had to choose, I don't know why I would have to choose, but you know what? I do kind of have to choose when the Olympics were shut down. I didn't care. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say I don't, I didn't care. The the Olympics still happened. Hockey wasn't involved, but I kind of get, I kind of got the best of both worlds. I was able to watch Olympics and then hockey at night. I didn't watch any of that Olympics. Like I watched maybe part of one game. Oh, Oh, I didn't even mean hockey though. I meant overall. Oh, yeah. Like I, I'm a big fan of like you know checking out the 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 moguls. You know the oh, ones yeah, where they yeah. do the moguls and then they do the fucking crazy tricks and then they do more moguls. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite events in the Winter Olympics. So I was able to watch the Winter Olympics as a whole and then at night flip on Enjoy the, the NHL. The hockey NHL, at the same time. yeah. Because yeah, for didn't me, have that big break when the Olympics are on. Like yeah, I like it and everything, but like my God, I don't fucking care about watching Latvia play Switzerland. No, fuck no, no. And, like, so what? Canada plays, like, six games and one of them is good? I always hate, too, when Canada plays, like, Kazakhstan and Switzerland, like, and Belarus all in the same, you know, they're all in their same same pool. pool. And, they, you know, the first three or four games are a joke in the tournament because they're winning 10-0. That's what I'm saying. It's no fun. So the Olympics are basically one, maybe two good games. And that's fucking it. Versus if the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics, I get to watch a boatload of good games between great hockey teams in the NHL every fucking yeah. night. So I was, I was one of those, I guess I was a minority, but I was okay. Um, you know, with, uh, with the Olympics not happening, but so what else anyway. do we got for players to watch? Uh, I know you want to talk about the checks. Yeah. I really want to talk about the checks. I'm really excited. The, and they were good last year too. If I yes, recall. Yeah. They, now they came up short, um, but they were good in the games that they, that, that they played against the, against the top team. So Saturday, the 29th, Canada plays Czech Republic. And I would definitely be tuning into that for two reasons. One, because I'm sure it's going to be a great game with team Canada, but number two, Philip Zadina, Martin Kaut and Martin Nikash. So this was a line before uh, at the World Juniors, very formidable, and I'm imagining that it's going to remain the same. Philip Zadina, a first-round choice, sixth overall to Detroit in the in this past uh, NHL entry draft. So he's hoping to prove some people wrong because he did get an early look with the 
Red Wings lineup, but of course the Red Wings a uh, bit of a shit team right now in the basement. Yeah, I think he's in the minors. He'd be they wasted suck. there. Yeah, yeah, he would be wasted there. If they were good, he would be up there. Yeah. I bet you he would be. Yeah. So he's back on loan, I guess so to speak. He's playing with Grand Rapids in the AHL. Actually, all three of these guys are in the AHL right now. Uh, so that's Philip Zadina. Um, playing on the wing. Martin Kaut also playing on the wing. He's a Colorado first-rounder, 16th overall in 2018, playing for the Colorado Eagles. And Martin Nikash, the center for these two Czechs, he's a Carolina first-rounder. He went 12th overall in 2017. He played seven games in the NHL. Now he plays with the Charlotte Checkers. So all of those guys with something to prove in the sense that they've already been drafted, they've played in this tournament before, they're not on a team that's going to, you know, win gold or be expected, I should say, to win gold. But you know what is expected of them? To play some exciting hockey. And I bet you if that's a line for the Czechs, you better watch out every time they're on the ice. Because for me, Philip Sedina, probably the purest goal scorer of this most recent draft, fell all the way down to sixth. I was surprised by that. I know that we don't we don't claim that we know a whole lot about prospects but when the draft is going on you just can't help but you know take in some of that info when the draft is coming up they're telling you about these prospects you got Craig Button's draft list you got that's hockey talking about you know who's gonna go first through 10th through 20th <laughs> you know then you've got NHL.com giving you their top 50 like you just see names over and yeah. over and over again and I was surprised <clears throat> to see Zadina fall that low because when I saw some highlights of this guy man like he knows how to shoot a puck very accurately. He looked really phenomenal last year in the tournament and I thought put himself on the map with his performance. I mean, that team or sorry, that line was a highlight factory and I would expect the same. Um, So one more before we move on, Um, we'll wrap up our world junior uh, segment with uh, the USA, just a little bit on the USA. So from what I'm reading and what I'm listening to, I listened to a couple pods on this actually myself. uh, The USA looks like they're going to have, arguably the most firepower in the tournament. I don't think that should surprise anyone because dating back to, you know, the early thousands, that was the USA's call. You know, they always had the skill, right? Russia has skill. USA has skill. Russia can shoot the puck really well. The USA can stick handle and move the puck extremely efficiently. So they're going to have a lot of firepower. They're pretty deep up the middle as well. And of course, they've got the... Hughes brothers, Jack and Quinn. Uh, Quinn Hughes has already been drafted by Vancouver and Jack Hughes, as everybody knows, is the, you know, probably the unanimous choice to go first overall in the upcoming NHL entry draft. And one more guy just to note, Josh Norris. Oh, this is where I was going with when, remember when I fucked up Formington? Right. This is the guy I was talking about. Norris. Oh yeah. Yeah. Norris was the guy that was traded uh, as a part of the trade for EK65. And that's where Sens fans are saying, hey, 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 what do we this get? is our guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Sens fans, if you don't know who he is, tune in to some USA games because Josh Norris up the middle is a deep prospect uh, for your Senators team. And I think he's going to be a, a pretty important player for that team moving forward. 
Yeah, and I'm excited to see uh, Hughes play. I haven't seen him play at all, so me neither. Yeah. Uh, I know we got to see a little bit of uh, of his brother there with the Canucks. Uh, I, I think preseason. I'm not sure if he played any regular season games. I didn't have any notes that he played. No, so I, don't I don't think, think he so. actually played. I, I think he might have played some preseason though. D man, Quinn some, is a D man. Yeah, highly skilled, uh, uh, highly touted prospect. Pretty so. cool how that worked though, eh? Like obviously brothers growing up together. One of them had yeah. to be like a sniping forward, and the other one was probably Defenseman, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they had to spread them out when they played. The together probably yeah. so the another big thing for the u.s is that they have three d-men returning one of them being quinn uh quinn hughes so they're gonna have a very strong blue line back there i think usa uh don't sleep on usa they oh yeah be. they've got to be a, a favorite going in yeah, and i, I think agree. with with uh jack hughes especially it's kind of like the matthews thing a couple of years ago you know a lot of people hadn't seen him play at all really yeah until they show up at this tournament because they either play uh ncaa or they play uh uh, uh, U.S. National Development Program, which I, I don't know if any of those games are televised, at least not here, right? Right, yeah. They might be, you know, locally in, in certain certain aspects. You know, I, I actually don't know at all, so I'm just shooting bullshit now. Might be able to get it on hockey TV. Yeah, who knows? You could watch me broadcast King Kings games here in Pembroke. Yeah, maybe they broadcast U.S. NDB They actually games. probably do. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, like, don't they They play a bunch of hockey uh, TV, college teams too? Hockey TV is everything yeah. except the NHL. But doesn't uh, doesn't the the U.S. Uh, development team play against college teams like as a uh, like exhibition, exhibition games all the time? I'm sure that makes sense. I, I don't know. I that was a thing. So I don't know. I could be making shit up but again. but Fake news. So uh, how about them Leafs, bud? All right, yeah, let's do Leafs. Uh, big win last night. Big win last night. They needed that win. They needed seven that two. win. 7-2 well, we over the I Devils. think we were 2-2-1 like two, two and one or, or no, 1-2-2 one, two and two in our last five. Yeah, it was not looking and, good. And uh, a nice little uh, bounce back win, similar to kind of what we had uh, going to the podcast last week with the Carolina W. Uh, they But they just took it to the Devils for 60 minutes last night, and that's exactly what they needed. It's true. It's exactly what they needed. It's exactly what I fucking needed as a fan. It's what yeah. you needed as a fan. It's yeah. what all of us needed because it was starting to become, I don't want to use the word stale, but it just was like they were almost going through the motions for a while. It was becoming slightly less and less exciting for me to sit down and watch the game. Now, of course, last night we had Tuesday Night Hockey. I know you get a chance to watch a little bit more because I run the fucking thing and it's stressful. So I have to show up early and make sure everyone's ready to go. But I didn't get to see any of it. I was also at my niece and nephew's Christmas concert. They rocked the show. And there I am checking my fucking phone. <laughs> oh, so cute. Pretending to take a picture. But I'm actually watching the game. Watching the game stream. <laughs> no, they, the so. Leafs came out uh, like gangbusters. And it was 3-0 three, three nothing within the first 10 minutes. Early. It was almost over Matthews. right away. Now, the power play didn't get going, though, unfortunately. And I know the power play's uh, slowed right down as of late. Like, not just a regression to the mean type thing, but actually... Uh, Dismal. It doesn't look last, good. I think it was the last, uh, I think it's the month of December, the stats they were showing last night. They're like one for 22 or something like yeah. that, which is so uncharacteristic of what this we've seen from this team so far. And when you start the year at, uh, you know, operating at 50% for the first couple of weeks, I know it's you're not going to maintain that. No, no, but, of course not. Uh, but it's teams, night are, and day. teams are making adjustments, learning how to defend them, I think. Oh, I would say so. I mean, they're really taking Matthews away. Yeah, they're taking his shots away, and I noticed that uh, the defenseman who lines up against him uh, are now starting to go down on the one knee block instead of the standing straight up. 
shin pads together because Matthews used that to his advantage. He shoots between your legs, right beside your right legs, beside, use yeah. the goal uh, defender as a screen. But now when the defenseman goes down, they're taking up more area in the lower part of the, uh, of the shooting lane and also giving their goaltender an opportunity to see Matthews better. True. And I notice a ton of them are getting blocked now. And it's it's difficult to take those shots from your left side on yes, the power play. Yes, agreed. So, yeah. But teams are making adjustments. They're watching the tape. And, you know, good for them. That's what they should be doing going up against that kind of power play and that kind of personnel. And on the other side of the ice, you've got the Marner. He gets it. He turns. And then he does that half clapper, half pass into the slot, hoping for a redirection. Yeah. That hasn't been working either. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, those plays look amazing when they hit them, uh, when they get the redirect, the tip in front, which is a fairly common leaf play we've seen them use for a couple years now on the power play. Yeah. But the issue with it uh, that I have is that it is a bit of a low percentage play. But in terms of beating the modern goaltender, uh, it, it's a, you know a, a main strategy is is getting those tips and redirects because you know some goaltenders and a lot of goaltenders if they see it they'll stop it right yeah the, I agree you know, yeah so. I personally I'd like to see them I'd like to see them change it up themselves if you've got if you've got the opposition you know um, making adjustments. Each team, it's not like you're playing the same team in a seven-game series. We're seeing different teams each night. We're still getting power plays, but each of these teams seems to have the remedy. Yeah. Well, we need a remedy for their remedy, and well, I feel like be... I feel like I would like to see more bombs from the point. Yeah, I know you got to go to your trigger man, uh, and Matthews is obviously the trigger man on that power play, but. You know they're giving Marner the the space and taking away his lane, so Marner's gonna start pulling the trigger too. Uh, they need to adjust on the fly when those opportunities aren't there. Now, can you know things change and in two weeks they're lighting it up again and we're not concerned about it at all and they don't actually make too many adjustments? I could see Absolutely, that happening. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of Pucks possibility. Pucks go in. Pucks just yeah, go in. That's sometimes. right. Pucks going deep. They go in. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in deep. So I mean, we already talked about the Tampa uh, the Tampa loss. So we don't have to touch on that too much more. But really, like you said earlier in the pod, Lesko, I couldn't echo your sentiments any stronger. It was basically just an opportunity for us to measure ourselves against that team. While we may lose the game one to four, it didn't feel that way. Uh, it felt like it was just proof to me that we could we could run with the big boys. And I woke up yeah. the next morning in a much much different mental situation than I usually do following yeah. a loss. Well, they, I guess what disappointed me the most was the fact the implications of the game. Whereas it's a four point game, you will got to keep pace with Tampa in the standing. So yeah, I'm not worried about you that. want. Yeah, I mean you want to be fighting it out with Tampa, not slugging it out with uh, Boston and uh, Buffalo. That's what I'm more concerned about in the big picture. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so uh, well, speaking about Buffalo and Boston, I mean, I see your note here on the Atlantic, the Atlantic Division. I mean, at this point, has anyone, can anyone, confidently be like, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally thought that the Atlantic Division would be really good. <laughs> no, no, it you, didn't look you like you thought it. you'd have your three, your three, and, and that's that was it. it. So now that Montreal and Buffalo are sticking around, it's going to make it interesting down the stretch. It is, and it's going to make it more fun. It's going to make it more fun for us as fans to have those rivalry games with Buffalo, who's doing well rivalry games with Montreal. And then, of course, it goes without saying that we've got a running rivalry And it should Boston. keep the players motivated. It should keep the, the Leafs, you know, checking, shoulder checking, right? 
Absolutely. So where do we want to go next here? We, yeah, so I wanted to talk about Mitch Marner. Yeah. Well, no, I guess. So Jonas Siegel did a piece in The Athletic this week, and a large portion of it, it was it was called like the building of a Marner, Marner being a superstar. Mm-hmm. So the interesting points that came out of that article, actually the main thing that revolves around his dad, Paul Marner. Right. So this guy is the hockey dad to end all hockey dads. <laughs> Uh, a big theme of the story was how Meyer wasn't just, you know, athletically gifted and skilled, but he, that he was bred to be a star. So at age four, this guy goes and uh, sought out a skills coach for Marner at wow. age four. At four. At age four. Okay. okay. So that's insane. And but the guy. I don't know. I, like. <laughs> and the guy thought he was insane for doing it. And you know what? It's probably, it's probably more common than you think, but I, I think you see it more at later ages. But yeah, clearly this right. guy had a, a plan in mind, and hey, it's 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 paying off, sure. But yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. And I, I and they I talked to the the coach as well, and the coach thought he was absolutely nuts for for wanting to bring him in. So this guy's been spending money not just on hockey registration and equipment since he was four, <laughs> yeah. but for a personal skills coach. Yeah, that's true. At that age, I feel like it's not it's not necessary to get like a professional in to hone skills. I feel like you can do <laughs> no. it as, I feel like you can do it as a parent. Like go to power skating. Yeah. Like yeah. most kids do. Right? Yeah. Do no. power skating. Just go on the outdoor yeah. rink with a puck and, and, and work with, work with the puck. So this guy's, uh, or so Martin's dad specifically sought out this guy because he was, uh, Sagan's coach at the time. And I guess Sagan's in like, I don't know, Bantam or something at that point. Like, Oh, t- Tyler yeah, Sagan. Yeah. He's, okay. You know, he's quite a bit older, but, uh, that was part of the reason because I guess he had seen Sagan play and then found out who his coach was and then go found him, right? And so the guy said he thought he was Doing nuts, right, digging. when he brought his four-year-old kid to – but anyway, so it's it just it was very interesting to see how he was, he was built essentially to be where he is now. And so uh, the other large theme in this article was his dad talking about him constantly being overlooked, um, whether it's to do with his size or um, he specifically singled out the McDavid drafters. Everyone's talking about McDavid and Eichel. No one's talking about Mitch. Well, yeah, well, come on. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I did see an interesting. I did see an interesting stat. I wish I I had it up in front of me, but he Mitch had more points in his draft year than McDavid. Than McDavid yeah. and and others. And well, they Hall. said he had more. Yeah, than their draft year than Tavares. And Tavares then, was and another a lot one, of these. Yeah other first overall picks. So And a lot more. You know, there's some there's some fair criticism to be had, but when you have to understand that people were watching McDavid since he was fifteen years old, um, nobody's taken that spotlight away. No, 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 no. And and McDavid is, is definitely better than Marner. Yeah, like, there's, I, no, there's debate no, there. no debate there. There's no debate there. Okay. There's none. But you have to remember two things. One, his size. It's just the way it is. Yeah, you're you're constantly getting you're overlooked. Going to be overlooked, that. okay? Because people are much Taller than you, so they're looking over top of you. Well, they, they literally just miss you. We okay? saw it coming into Mariner's rookie year. Was like, oh, is, is he even going to make the team? Like, can he uh, make up for his lack of size? Yep. And so I understand that when you look at them in their draft year, you don't necessarily, or at least I think that I think that's changing now because of the size and the build and the the skill set and the type of players that we're seeing succeed yes, now. Yeah. Uh, at the time, though, I, and I remember hearing it loud and clear, especially because he was in the microscope with the Toronto media, was that, you know, is he going to be a for sure NHL success? Which, whereas, I guess, with McDavid and Eichel, you're like, yeah, these guys are going to walk into the show and light it up. You know, Mitch goes back and plays another year of junior and absolutely wins everything, every award under the sun that year. Yes. Um, you know, what ends up being one of the best players 
ever uh, <laughs> best players uh, outside of the NHL, not in the NHL, right? So, uh, so the interesting part, I guess, were some of the quotes that Paul Marner had was that he, you know, he seemed vehement about you know uh, Marner being considered in the captain conversation and just. You know, had strung along the storyline, like I said, that constantly overlooked and playing in the shadows of whomever. And I guess you could argue now he's in the shadows of, you know, guys like Matthews. But right. so then later that night, uh, this guy leaks out these DMs that he's had with Paul Marner back in 2017. And this was in, at an interesting time because it was when Marner was in the doghouse a little bit. He was playing third line, I believe, with JV, JVR fourth. and Bozak. He got demoted to fourth Yeah, at for one a little point. bit, yeah, and with JVR and Bozak. And I guess Marner's dad just went off about Babcock <laughs> and about uh, why he doesn't he get to play with Matthews, which I guess there's some argument there, right? But why the fuck is this guy, crazy hockey dad, DMing with some rando fan I know. on Twitter? And did you see the burner account? Yeah, so you sent me that later. Is that <laughs> there was a, a suspected? It's him. Burner. It's got to be him. When I read the the way uh, the, it's written, yes, yeah. agreed. And he, so he's he's constantly bitching about his ice time and about this and that. And so this, so this guy who who posted this on Twitter had shared it with people, I guess, around the time it happened, and somehow, some way, the guy's like, "Oh, I thought I could trust these people," but it got leaked to the Leafs. The yes. Leafs got hold of this shit, and this is when Lou was around, and this was when Lou's around. So Lou calls in Paul Mariner for a meeting. Did he wear that toque? Well, could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine what that meeting was like? Why don't you have a seat, Paul? Yeah, have a seat. Like, like he that was, would be scary. He's probably like, you. You don't say a fucking word to the media, and you don't be um, rhyming off on Twitter DMs or not about yeah. anything about this team, or you know, we will bury you. Well, I mean, like, like he's right here. He says, "What does he say?" The, this coach is complete garbage. Four points in two games means nothing to the cock. <laughs> and he put cock in quotations. Oh, my God. Never see Marner with an empty net ever. Yeah, so he's definitely a weird dude. There's, that's without a doubt. Now, the guy who had put this tweet out actually had later on said, and he seemed to have a lot of insight uh, to Marner and his family uh, in some of the stuffs he said following up the tweet, but he said that he was under the impression that Mitch had put some distance between his dad and his hockey at some point in his life. Oh, really? Yeah, and maybe that's due to the well, that's know, the that's heartening overbearingness or something. And I mean, I'm not concerned about Marner at all, and I and I can, but I can see why the team probably try to rate him in thinking this guy's a PR disaster waiting to happen or, you know, just reel him in. Well, just causing controversy where there doesn't need to be controversy. Yeah. You look at this team over the last couple of years, it's been pretty much nothing but roses and positive news. And yes. if you're Lou and you're a guy who really likes to control the message and, and keep a run a tight ship, uh, I don't care if you're somebody on my team's dad or uncle or whoever. Get out not, of the way. You're not shooting your mouth off about yeah. about my team in any respect. So I thought it was interesting that Marner uh, did talk with Siegel because I'm wondering if one of the results of that meeting with Lou was shut the fuck up. Don't yeah. talk to any journalists. Don't talk to anybody on Twitter or whatever. We don't want to see any of that shit. But now, he, it's, it's unusual circumstances that that made its way to the Leafs. So I'm wondering if how Dubas reacts to this article. I mean, he didn't say anything crazy, but he did come off as a bit of a bit Idiot. of a blow, bit of an ass. Yeah. yeah. 
and and you the more you look into it and once we saw the the twitter exchange it kind of just confirmed that he yeah he is a bit of a crazy hockey dad so let me bring this up to you and, and i'm someone that uh you know i speak with on a semi-regular basis he's a friend of the show we'll leave him as anonymous um has a little bit of insight into the family and he was careful when talking to me to not say too much and he wouldn't even give it to me and i was kind of like right. dude come on you know because <laughs> well i got the fucking podcast so maybe yeah. he's worried about me talking about this on the pod and here i am talking about here it. We are. <laughs> there i am but but i'm not throwing this guy into the fucking bus but he says to me listen like you know i'm from the area i kind of have a handle on you know some some knowledge on what's going on in the background here and he said if the agents and the team are unable to harness Paul Marner, there's a likely chance that we could be entering a Michael Nylander situation where a father is very impactful in a negative way in negotiations. Well, be well based on what we've seen so far from this guy, pretty I, true. He's going to walk in there and say, "Give him thirteen, twelve million, or whatever." You know, so and, and that's the interesting thing about the the you mentioned Michael Nylander is that we don't actually know how involved he was that was no the, you're right the, the, the speculation the, the speculation yeah uh based on his previous contract disputes that he had had and just based on the reputation and some of the stories i believe one of the stories i heard at the draft was that they interviewed william nylander um with a bit of a uh, an interesting lens because they were very well aware of what michael nylander was like and they wanted to feel out willie to see what he was like as a person before drafting him. Oh, that's see, I like I like to hear that. Yeah, that's good to hear. You want to know what kind of person you're bringing into your fold, yeah. right? I mean, Marner seems like a really smart guy, and that he probably has a good handle on things, and he's got an agent for a reason. So let's hope that you know this isn't an issue. I'd be more concerned about his dad going public because it, when I I, I I made the joke uh, when we were talking the other day, but he's like the Laval, Lavar Ball light. Oh yeah, Lavar yeah. Lavar Paul. Lavar <laughs> <laughs> Paul, nice. Did you actually you you must have obviously saw that that piece from CBC eh, back in two thousand eleven? Yeah, so that surface that, right that, was well, him, that's what was him screaming in the stands yeah. right. You better fucking skate, Mitch. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, like man, Jeez. you know, I mean. But that's, you know what? That's embarrassing we were stuff. in. I was in a group chat, and of course, the video circled through the group chat, and the boys are like, you know, saying, "Oh my god, this is horrible." And I was kind of like, "It's not that bad." Like, I don't know what happened behind closed. I've seen doors. a million parents like that. Worse, and I've worse. seen worse and worse. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen absolutely worse. You know, and I know from an outside perspective, it looks awful, and it is in a sense awful. Yeah, but I guess growing up in a hockey culture, it was like, "Yep, crazy hockey dad." Everyone's but, got one. But there's the, one on every team. The media makes it seem way worse. Always when Leslie Anderson or whatever the fucker name is on CBC is like, and just listen to what happens next, and then it's a <laughs> highlight, and Mitch is skating over towards the corner. He's like twelve, and his dad goes. You better fucking start skating, Mitch, or I swear to God. Or he's putting on a show like, for the cameras. That's too. what I thought too. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, like the CBC tees it up as if it was like this horrible thing. Like, you know, are you telling me that kids that are going to the NHL aren't pushed by their parents? 
Like I got into a bit of a debate with the guys in the group chat because I said, boys, I don't see this as being much worse than just a aggressive hockey parent. I don't think that there's any reason to be fucking calling child services on this no, guy. No, What, because he swore at his kid? Jesus Christ, my dad would be in fucking prison. <laughs> <laughs> Yours too. Yeah, big time. <laughs> All right, man. So where are we at here? We're we're north of a buck 40. What do you want to say? You want to well, fucking shut her down here? hang him up. We'll hang him up. That was good though, man. We got a lot of sh- good shit in there. What's our schedule like coming up? You got anything... Uh, popping up we've got games we've got winnable games coming up here Leafs have Rangers Leafs have uh I believe we have Rangers um Panthers Red Wings maybe I think and then Columbus we've got some winnable games yeah we've lost some winnable games lately too so it's important to lap up those points while you got the chance but put them uh, in the bank I'm really looking forward to it off work next week we got World Juniors we got lots of Leaf action it's going to yeah, be a good time. It is the holidays, so we're not quite certain as to what we're going to be able to do. We'll be back sometime. We'll next be back. Week. I'm thinking that Boxing Day might be doable, though, if you're around during the day. Yeah, well, we'll warm it up, have a couple beers, and uh, bang out a pod, then watch the World Juniors and have more beers. I think that's the way to go, right? Yeah, we'll see if we can pull that off. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, and hopefully we'll be able to bring you another episode on time next week. It's been another edition of the Pucks and Deep podcast, episode 15. We're rolling along, and we're glad you're coming along with us. Lots of good feedback. Join us on Twitter, at PuckPod, at Coleman42, at Adam. Follow along and generate some discussion, and enjoy the rest of your week. 